Obviously, I have a lot more fun at MLP than PPAs. Guys like, you know, maybe Travis or Julian or Rafa, they definitely have way more fun at MLP than PPAs. But you are a little bit of a different situation because the way you conduct yourself on the court is not necessarily the first thing people think of when they think of MLP hype, Julian Arnold, orange cards. You know, they're not thinking about Dylan Frazier. Um, you're more stoic and calm, more like a Ben is, for example. Where do you have more fun? What do you like better, MLP or PPAs? All right, so welcome to the James Ignatowicz show. We've got Dylan Frazier, one of the best pickleball players overall in the game arguably the best right side guy in the game he is on my podcast i convinced him to come on earlier today um he actually has his own podcast with my girlfriend anna so this is uh pretty crazy i've got anna on the show last week and now i've got dylan on the show so thank you thank you for coming on thanks for having me yeah anna and i have the drop by the way I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, yeah, so James cool. James took, asked me if I could come on and, and give him a few pointers because he's been listening to Anna's, Anna and I's podcast, and it's been going great. So Anna and I have been agreed to come on and, and kind of help him get his launched. And, and I think I think he you could say his is a top five podcast now. I think I'm top five out of all Selkirk podcasts. I think I'm top five. I, uh, I'm here <laughs> to get advice from Dylan because I want to know – I mean, those podcasts are an hour long, an hour and a half long. I'm trying to figure out, Dylan, how do you stand or handle directly conversing with Anna for an hour and a half? I've yeah, well, that for a year. that's a good question. It turns out it's really easy. You just you just kind of have to say a few words every now and then, and really she's able to keep the rest going on her own. So she's pretty yeah. good at that, keeping the conversation going. I'd yeah, say she probably talks ninety 90% of the time. It's just Anna talking. And then when I feel like I need to jump in and kind of facilitate her, then I jump in. So you're like her right side guy, kind of. I'm like the right side guy, even in podcasts. Yeah. Wow. I want you to play the left this podcast. This podcast is, uh, this is now the Dylan Frazier podcast. See, he, we on the James Ignatowitz show, we're a little more hospitable towards our guests. You know, we want our guests to shine. We don't want to just take over the whole pod. And that's, you know, that's why we're like top that. five over here. <laughs> I like that. Nice. I'll do so, my best. Well, most podcasts save the rapid fire questions for the end, but I've decided this isn't a tradition. This is just the first time that we're doing this. We're going to do two rapid fire questions to start the pod because I want you on your toes this entire podcast. What do you say? I don't even get to warm up. Like, let me dink a little bit or something, hit a couple of thirds, like just right into the rapid fire questions. Straight into hands, straight into All it. Right. Straight into hands battles. Let's go. All right. Question number one, if DJ Young and JW Johnson were both equally lost, lost in a maze, who comes out of there first? I think, I think DJ comes out of there first. I think it's, yeah, I think I, <laughs> DJ, rapid fire DJ. Okay. Second rapid fire question. Why? What's the explanation? Um, I think, I think DJ is going to be able to 
uh, I don't know. He'll, he'll be able to figure it out a little faster. He's he's got. I feel like J Dub. I feel like J Dub's when he got lost. He's he's not going to be quite sure how to react as fast as DJ is. DJ DJ makes up his mind pretty fast and is uh, at least pretty determined. And uh, and whatever he decides to do, J Dub might be a little indecisive. So I, I think DJ just comes out just because he tries a little bit more. Okay, I like that. I like that. All out fight to the death. Life is on the line. This is a fight that goes to the absolute death. Who wins? Zane Navratil or Callie Smith? Um, I'm going to say Callie. I think Callie wow. can beat Zane. Wow. Explanation needed. No, so like just like a fist fight, like a physical fight, no, no weapons or anything like that. No weapons, but it's it's not necessarily just a fist fight. It's just two of them are in a ring and one of them can come out. It's it's to the death. Yeah, I just I don't have a lot of respect, I guess, for for Zane's fighting ability. So I'm gonna have to go Callie here because Callie's Callie's pretty ripped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's intimidating. She's she's probably heavier than Zane too. Yeah. Okay. So I got to ask you about your past weekend. This is a normal question now. We're going to the normal questions. You got to the finals of Major League Pickleball. You took out my team in the semifinals. Played really well. Um, you actually got a win over Ben and Tyler in men's. You and Federico did. Um, and then lost in the final, but still close one. Very, very competitive all the way. Just kind of give me a rundown of that that whole weekend, how you're feeling about the team and, and the event so far. Yeah, it was good. Uh, the first MLP, we didn't have uh, we didn't have Maggie, who so we drafted Maggie, but she was un- unable to play the first event. Um, so we felt like once we got Maggie on the squad, that we'd be we'd be more dangerous because we just missed the playoffs of the first one by a couple points, literally a couple points. So uh, once we got Maggie on the team and she was playing really well in rec, um, playing with a lot of confidence, and she played really well. She was like she was a fourth round pick, but I think after watching her play, easily could have been third round maybe late second round pick like she definitely outperformed where she was drafted um so she was great Federico and Andrea were great um we felt like we could have beat the pioneers in the final uh since we beat them earlier I guess but uh got to win the women's doubles match Federico and I had chances in the men's doubles match I don't think we had match point but it was tight like could have won that one too um and then we won one mixed match and lost other mixed you've got to count on Ben winning one of his games at the very least if you can get if you can steal another one from him that's that's just a bonus but uh yeah we felt pretty good about our team and and we feel pretty good going into San Clemente got it okay so Ben obviously played really well he won his matches for the most part absolutely dominated and from what I saw um let's say you have let's say you have a team you have all three teams that are picking the first three picks in June or July for this next season. What's the order of the players? Should Annalie go first again? Should it be Ben? Should she go third? What do you think the top three are? I think I think at this point it's pretty hard to argue against Ben going first just because he's he's pretty much guaranteeing two wins right now. Like he he lost to Fed and I once. Not sure if he had any losses the first MLP, but I think that was his only loss this past MLP. Um so to have pretty much do two guaranteed wins is huge, obviously. Um, so I think, I think Ben's got to go first. I think, I think Annalise second, probably. And mm. then third, you're surprised. 
Who would you I'm take? Surprised. I in might this, go in the number two slot. Riley. Oh, Riley, yeah. I think Riley might have more of an impact than than Anna Lee. I forgot about Riley. I'd still Man, I, I think I'd still take Anna Lee and then and then Riley in the third slot. Okay. What's the reasoning behind that? I I mean Annalie's obvious I feel like Ben and Annalie are kind of on the on the same level of their respective genders. Like Ben's gonna go out there and he's gonna dominate on the guy's side. Annalie's gonna go out there and do the same on the women's side, like not to say that Riley can't. Riley's Riley's near that level too on in men's doubles, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I could, it could go either way because I think Annalie and mixed is is a little bit more vulnerable. Like I think I think Riley would actually, after thinking about it, be be able to guarantee you two two wins more so than Annalie could just because of mixed doubles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I'd agree. I I go Riley mm-hmm. number two. Okay, so. Obviously, I have a lot more fun at MLP than PPAs. Guys like, you know, maybe Travis or Julian or Rafa, they definitely have way more fun at MLP than PPAs. I don't even need to bring them on the pod and ask them. I know that that's the case. But you are a little bit of a different situation because the way you conduct yourself on the court is not necessarily the first thing people think of when they think of MLP hype, Julian Arnold, orange cards. You know, they're not thinking about Dylan Frazier. Um, You're more stoic and calm, more like a Ben is, for example. So I'd like to hear your perspective on this. I feel like you're an interesting guy or interesting situation to ask. Where do you have more fun? What do you like better, MLP or PPAs? I enjoy, I think I enjoy the tr- traditional PPA tournament format a little bit better than MLP, but MLP's, wow. MLP is really fun. Like I, I enjoy both. I think, I think just from a, from a competitor standpoint, I feel like the double elimination uh, side out scoring, like that's, that's, I prefer side out scoring to, to rally scoring and best two out of three double elimination. Like it's just you and your best partner playing against like the uh, other good teams, like in MLP, you get a lot of a lot of like great players playing with uh, some lower level players that they wouldn't play with in a normal level tournament or at a normal PPA tournament. And at the normal tournament, you get to see like the best team against like another best team. Whereas at MLP, you get like the maybe Ben Johns with another lower level guy. Well, he's playing with Tyler, who's actually a pretty high level player. But it's not like Ben Johns and his best partner versus another guy and, and their best partner. It's so I don't, I don't, I feel like the level, I feel like the quality of the matches aren't quite as high for that reason. Okay. Um, but that, that being, that being said, I, I still, I still think MLP is really fun. The whole team, the whole team aspect of it. And it only happens six times a year. I think that plays into a lot of the hype, the rarity of it. Whereas the PPA tournaments we're having like 20, 25 of these a year, every other weekend. Okay. I'm going to keep you on your toes. Rapid fire question. Number three rank. The three events, singles, men's doubles, and mixed. Favorite, least favorite? For me personally, it goes men's doubles favorite, uh, singles second favorite, mixed doubles third favorite. Wow. That's interesting. Can you explain that? I like that list. Yeah. I think I think kind of similar reason, reasoning to why I might maybe slightly prefer PPA tournaments to MLP. Um and men's doubles, I feel like when you, you've got two guys on the court versus two other guys, I just feel like the level of play is a little bit higher. And to me, that's more appealing from a player standpoint. I think from a spectator standpoint, you could certainly argue 
that mixed doubles is more exciting to watch than, than men's doubles and maybe even women's doubles more exciting than men's doubles. But, but as a player, personally, I, 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 I enjoy watching and playing men's doubles more just because of all, all the strategy that goes into it. And just because at the end of the day, it's like it's a, it's a higher level game than mixed doubles and, and women's doubles. And singles is fun, too, but singles is singles is pretty, pretty similar to tennis, or at least in the sense that, like, if a tennis player came into pickleball, they're going to be able to compete in singles a lot faster than they're going to be able to compete in doubles. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my first tournament, I didn't know. I wasn't even a five. It's funny. This is a fun fact for the viewers at home. When I first played a PPA, this was in March of 2022. This was my first pro tournament ever. I only played singles because I didn't know how to play doubles. And I beat in singles. Thomas Wilson and AJ Kohler consecutively. And I made it to the quarters. And then a weekend later, I lost in the finals of men's doubles four five. <laughs> so just to give you an idea, the singles comes first. That's for sure. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't too long ago when we were all calling James Ignatowicz a single specialist. That wasn't, that wasn't too long ago. I know those days are over. Now I'm a I'm a double specialist. I'm a now he's a double specialist. <laughs> but I agree with you, I agree with what you're saying about men's doubles. It's now it, it went from my least favorite event to my favorite event, even though it's the event that I get the worst results in. And I think it's the strategy is it's interesting because there's going to be times where you want to really slow it down. You have to pick the right spots. And then there's going to be times where there's Federico Staxford in front of you and you're all guns blazing, <laughs> foot on the gas. <laughs> Anything you see, you're throwing it his way. Um, so it's, there's a lot, but then in mixed, obviously it's different. And singles, my least favorite event. I think for me, it goes men's, then mixed, then singles. But yeah, I think uh, that's a good answer. So we've got Red Rock coming up and you are not playing Red Rock. Neither is JW. So I'm excited. I'm thinking <laughs> this is great. I signed up for singles. Ben's not playing. This is the perfect tournament for me to jump in and, you know, pull a little Minnesota action like I did a few yeah. months ago. What are you but, looking forward to? Are you going to watch Red Rock? Are you, is there any narratives, anything that you think we should watch out for? I'm excited. I think I'm, I'm excited to watch the, to see how the men's doubles uh, bracket turns out because you're playing with Riley. So I am excited to see that. I'm guessing Riley's going to be on the right side. Yes. He's going to, Riley's going to have to forehand dink. I'm sure he'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, and then I'm, who's going to take the middle. I'm just curious to see, to see how that goes. It's going to be tough because I think if he wants it, he can have it. But I think that on thirds, I should take it because I think that against a lot of the teams we're going to be playing against, especially in conditions like Red Rock, I can drive the ball pretty well and he can crash so well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, at the kitchen line, I'll probably want him to take the middle. I'll definitely defer to him taking the middle. But if it's high, I should take the middle. So I don't, yeah. it's going to be weird. It's going to be an interesting situation. What do you think? I'll have to figure it out on the go. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think I think your forehand on the thirds, and then if it's high, probably you take it in the middle. I think Riley likes to Riley Riley's an active player. I mean, you're the same too. Like I feel like you both are, are play a little bit better when you're when you're playing a few more of the balls um, or a higher percentage of the shots. And so I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but you guys will probably figure it out. Um, Do you think he should take middle thirds? 
Um, that's the one thing I'm not sure of. Yeah, I mean, Riley Riley can drive with his backhand from the baseline pretty well, and he can drop, but you're – I don't know. You can come in I, – I think I like you taking the thirds and then Riley going to poach because you can drive off your forehand and you can drop off your forehand pretty aggressively too. Like you can hit some aggressive top spin, third shot drops with your forehand that Riley can go poach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys returned everything to me in the semifinals. By the way, viewers, people used to say – that me i had a tough time getting to the kitchen and that was true that was very true up until about three weeks ago i went out there with my friend jericho and i hit more thirds than i think anybody's ever seen and i've been getting up there in the semifinals of major league pickleball dylan and federico returned every single ball to me and guess how many thirds jimmy missed zero zero thirds. zero zero and zero fifths i got up there now, thankfully, we had Federico over there, so you can just drive it at him and you get an easy fourth. But we don't need to get into <laughs> the details. The details are not important. I was getting to the kitchen, but that doesn't matter. Why did you choose not to play Red Rock? Um, I just needed a week off, honestly. Like Red Rock's not one of my favorite places to play any anyway. And it was I just got back home from six being being on the road for six weeks. And so I needed a little bit of a break, like Two weeks, I would have been fine. If I had a two-week break, I would have played the third week. Um, but I didn't want to only have one week off. I was I wanted at least two weeks off. Um, but it's going to end up being three because the next tournament's not till Takea. Got it. So what is it about Red Rock that I should be like – like? because I've heard – it's not just you. I've heard a ton of people say – like there's a ton of people that aren't playing Red Rock. And I don't know what it is. Like should I watch out for something? I mean we could take no, this – the, the conditions are just a little bit different out there. I don't know. Locations, not maybe not as, as fun as some of the other spots that we're playing, like on the coast, but I don't know. It was just a, it, mostly for me, it was like it was it was a good spot in the in the schedule to take off just because I'd played so many leading up to that one. Got it. OK, let me ask you a question, James. Who's the biggest threat to you and Riley winning men's doubles in Red Rock? That's a good question. I mean, I got to say it's Deckel and Colin. I mean, they have a lot of chemistry, Deckel and Colin do, that whole family. They're they're very close, <laughs> Deckel and the Johns family, and it's it's tough. I mean, Colin's so solid. I don't know how much I like the pattern of Colin going forehand cross with Riley. We may have to throw me on the on the right. Uh -oh. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's going to be tough. Um, am I afraid of Federico and Pablo? Uh, no, I'm afraid of Pablo, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's going to be a tough one too. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I think that's going to be probably the team I'm most scared of. Okay. How big of a difference has the Perseus paddle been for Federico Stackshard? You know, it's made a world of difference. I I think it's absolutely changed his game. I was watching Federico play, and for the listeners, I know what I'm about to tell you sounds shocking it sounds like something you've never seen before but i'll tell you this i saw it this isn't the loch ness monster this is real life i saw it happen wreck it was in wreck but it happened federico Staxrud had a ball over his shoulder and he put it away <laughs> that actually happened I, I swear, I know, I know <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it happened. I watched it happen to be, I mean, you know, 
obviously there's the fact that his opponent had gone for the Ernie and they were all off the court. And I think it hit the net, maybe dribbled over, but it was a winner and Federico hit it. And uh, you have video evidence. No. And that's the problem. It might never happen again. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can believe you then. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even believe it. I might be hallucinating. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so the Perseus battle has made a difference, though. It has. I saw him. I saw him in that. I saw him in that mixed match in in the semifinal of MLP. He won a couple hands battles. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's just. I don't remember. I don't even remember. <laughs> Andrea just played lights out. <laughs> <Andrea> <laughs> <went> up. <laughs> so, okay. So speaking of MLP, who are, in your opinion, the players from the challenger league currently most likely to be in the premier league in June or in the next one ranked in terms of like highest likelihood to maybe. Number one on the guy side, I would say Pablo Teas. Um, number two, I think uh, I, I'm going to say Hunter Johnson, and then number three, maybe Brendan Brendan Long. Yeah, those are my. What three. about you? I th- those are the three. I mean, there's an argument for Stefan because when you're drafting at the end of the Premier League draft, you're generally drafting for a guy on the right. Right. Or at least a guy that, yeah. can play. um, there's yeah. other players in the challenger league who are like, they've got some ability in mixed and singles, but they can't really play men's maybe, or they can't dink or they've got, you know, who, who knows what it is. But I think, I think those are the three guys. I think that, well, it's tough to say because Brendan is surely in my opinion, a better men's doubles player and maybe mixed doubles player than Hunter Johnson is, but Hunter is such a great singles player. Um, top five arguably singles player so that puts him over the over the edge in my opinion yeah so and then on the female side on the female side i think jill's number one and i'm and i'm excited to see i'm excited to see jill if she if jill makes it to the premier league i'm going to be so happy just because of how she how she behaves on the court and and i know some other players don't take too well to her behavior on the court so I'm just excited to see if that generates any drama. Jill is, people talk a lot about Julian Arnold's on-court behavior. He gets a little loud. I can get moderately loud. Jill takes it to another level. Jill is absolutely just insane out there. And I'm happy. I hope that she gets into the Premier League. And I hope that she plays these main draws of mixed doubles because for a guy like me, I'm using the 002 now, which is the paddle you use. Way more pop, in my opinion, than the 002A. It's really flying off my paddle. And I think that the full bag speed up is a really good shot to hit. But I can't hit it in rec because it's not nice. You don't want to hit. try to, for those who don't know, listeners at home, full bag means trying to hit the person with the ball. So you're both at the kitchen line and speeding it up. Instead of going for a spot, you just go right at the body, hard as you can. People do that to me all the time. And it's not right for me to do it to others in practice, especially with an 002. But in a match, it's maybe a different story. So I'm looking forward to when Jill has the opportunity to be in front of me. I think she will be the first person that I try my full bag speed up at 
and we might have to take this out, but that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. So it's time to ask you this, unless you have something else to say. I, if, before we get off MLP, I do have a question to ask you. Was, okay. was it, was it upsetting to you that Pablo Tejas got the first ever orange card in MLP? Was that something, was that a goal of yours to, to, to get the first card of orange or blue? whichever it was, like, were you a little disappointed that Pablo can now say that he's had the first orange card in MLP? You know, it would have been great. It would have been absolutely great to get the first orange card. And I had my opportunity and I didn't take it. I should have taken it, but I didn't. And I think that of all people to get the, because he got a blue card, right? A blue for, card. All, for all people to be the first person to get the card. It being Pablo Tellez is the funniest thing ever. I think, I think Pablo was like here in terms of likelihood and you were like here like you're just <laughs> like you're right there like if you had gotten it it would have been hilarious if jw had gotten it it would have been hilarious pablo getting it but like if it was me or julian or rafa or like anna or tyson it's not that it's not as funny so that's my take yeah okay yeah what are the chances that you get carded this year I think I think very low, next to zero. Really? So yeah, I'd be yeah, I'd be surprised. So blue card is 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 a bigger offense than orange card, or the other way around. Other way around. Like orange card's the worst. Orange card's the worst. Okay. So Pablo got the blue card. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Obviously, the chances of you getting a blue card or an orange card are very low, but. If the refs could see what goes on in your mind during matches, would you have – what are the chances that you get carded? Is there some stuff going on up there? So are you tra talking trash up here? If, if you could read my mind during a match, I'd have, I'd have a few orange cards by now already. <laughs> but thankfully that's, thankfully, that's not possible, so no cards for me. Okay, so you don't think – you're not going to get carded in the future? I don't see it either. No. No. Okay. Okay. So I've heard that you started pickleball from, I've heard from different people. Some say you started when you were eight, 10, 13, before anybody even knew what it was. I don't know. At what age did you first pick up a pickleball paddle? I was 14, seven years ago. Okay. So you're considered a legacy player in a way. I'm like, I'm a legacy player. I'm like an OG of the sport. Although I say that, but there were players that were playing like way before me, like Kyle Yates and Dave Weinbach were playing even longer than that. Wes Gabrielson, like there's, there's been players uh, that have played for a long time. I think Chris Miller, I think Chris Miller likes to say that he's been playing the longest or, or, or the longest out of most people. He says that he's been playing since like 1988 or something like that something crazy so there there's definitely people out there that have played a lot longer than i have but i feel like seven years relative to other players on the pro tour right now is, is a long time okay so dylan i want the listeners to listen very closely on this one because this is very important this is one of the funniest things i've seen all year dylan showed me on youtube a guy by the name of Timothy Nelson, <laughs> a.k.a. the Puppet Master. And we were at this Indian place. We watched a little bit of it. I thought it was really funny. I went to his YouTube channel. And what's his YouTube handle again? Pickleball Stars. 
pickleball stars. Name's Timothy Nelson, also known as the puppet master. They've got he's got 15 minute highlight videos. He is the definition of a legacy player. This was back in 2016, 2015, maybe even. I kid you not, this is the funniest thing I have ever seen. And I want anybody watching to please take the 30 minutes out of your day and watch this guy. He was a former pro. I mean, Timothy, the puppet master, was a great player. He was on top of podiums. A lot of people have heard of him, but if you haven't, that's okay. Check it out. Let me know in the comments. Dylan, what are your thoughts or what do you have to tell the viewers about the puppet master? Uh, I think just like you, like if you haven't seen any of his content, you definitely got to get on YouTube and catch it out. But yeah, he was he was one of the first like best players in the sport, like number one player in the sport, uh, known for his uh, trickery and, and deception and like misdirection on his shot. So his signature move was to uh, give a little misdirection and maybe catch someone leaning one one way and then hit it the other way and then give him the little puppet strings like that was that was the signature move and i think that's where the the name puppet master came from but yeah he was uh on another level than the rest of the players back in the day but at the same time that was that was like at the same time where players were still allowed to use two paddles at a time so i think that tells you all you need to know about the level of play that was going on back then uh but yeah he, he made a he made a comeback and at like the u.s open in 2017 or 2018 i can't remember when it was um but like Ben Johns was playing already by that point and everybody was speculating on how good he was going to be making his comeback. And he came back and he played with Joey Farias against Kyle and Ben and they went all the way to the third game with them and lost 11-9. And part of the reason they lost was because they returned out of position, but like he came back and and was still a great player. So who knows, maybe, maybe he'll come back one day and it'll be the same story. Yeah, we need him back. I should play doubles with him. I've got a couple openings. <laughs> I should play one with him. <laughs> so speaking of cameos in the professional pickleball game, Jack Sock is making his professional debut. He was number two in the world in tennis. He was up there in singles, I think number eight in the world in singles. He's playing men's doubles with Tyson, my partner for the year, and mixed doubles with Anna Lee. What are your predictions for how that weekend will go for Jack? Which tournament is this? Uh, North Carolina on May 4th. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he's playing with Anna Lee. Is Ben playing this tournament or no? Nope. No. Okay. I think I think Jack and I, I think Jack and Anna Lee and Jack and Tyson are gonna be a tough team, honestly. Um, I don't see Jack and Tyson getting on the podium. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but I think they're definitely a competitive team, top five team. Maybe if they play well, and I think Jack and Anna Lee are a podium threat. If honestly, if, if Jack comes out and he balls out, kind of like he did in some of the other events that he's played late last year, or earlier this year, I can't remember. I think they could. I think they could podium. And you've played with Jack actually on on YouTube. I saw this at a chicken and pickle a while ago. I think over a year ago, you were playing with Jack or playing against Jack, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a couple years ago now for a chicken and pickle event. Um, and he was good then. Like, he, he was good then, but, like, still struggling with some of the the pickleball shots um, and, and kind of breaking some of those tennis habits. But then he played at that, like, bubbly event, and I thought that he was a much better player by that time already. And I, I don't know if he even practiced again. So I think his, his potential is off the charts. So 
wouldn't be surprised to see him do well. I've got two more questions for you. Second to last question. Fast forward three years and look at the top 10 of men's doubles or top 10 male doubles players mixed in men's. How many of those players, if you were to guess, have already picked up a pickleball paddle? Yeah, I think it's just super unpredictable. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of players out there that haven't picked up a paddle yet that are going to be great in the future. So I wouldn't be surprised. Like you, I, I think I feel like you have to say Ben's going to be a top ten player in the, in the next three years still, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like seven out of ten guys haven't picked up a paddle. Like, wow, I think there's I think I think there's a lot of talent out there still, um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it's like you know seven out of ten guys have are already playing now. Like I think it's just it's just hard to predict. What do you think? Mm, I think it's I think it's probably 50 50 five five out of ten Ben is definitely going to be in there I think I would be surprised if Riley was not in there and I'd be surprised if me you JW were not in there um I think I think those five I know it's a little selfish of me to include myself in that five uh <laughs> But I don't know. That's just my opinion. So I think I think us five will be in there probably. And my last question, unless you have you have something else to say on this or no? Nope. All good. Last question. You have one of the best shots in the game that nobody talks about at all. Everybody talks about JW's backhand flick, and it's an amazing shot. But I think a shot that you hit that does a ton of damage on a consistent basis is where when you're on the right. You have a forehand dink that's a little higher, and instead of speeding up, you sort of pump fake, or you show a speed up, or at least threaten the idea of a speed up coming from your forehand, which is such a lethal attack within itself. It already generates a lot of concern. And then you decide to hit a deep, aggressive dink down the line or sort of inside out to the left foot of the left side player in front of you. I know I just said a lot. If you're listening, you might have to... Just go watch them on YouTube or something because this is a great shot. And I think a lot of players at a lot of levels can try to emulate this. I've tried to emulate this and I don't know how to do it yet, but but we're figuring that out. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that shot? Why do you do that shot? And just tell me yeah. the whole thought process. Yeah, I think I think from the right side, especially uh, you're a little more limited in terms of what you can do, like what you can attack because um, you're just kind of in your little box over there. But uh one of the shots that I have had success with is is the forehand speed up off the bounce. And it's it's actually it's like my primary attack. I don't attack out of the air much. So it's like one of the few things that I have to work with. And so um, anything that I can do to kind of like keep the opponents guessing, because if you just hit to my forehand every time and you just get ready for the speed up, like that's pretty easy to defend. But if you can mix in like some aggressive dinks in there, that I, just, I feel like it keeps them on their toes a little bit more, maybe gets them off balance, makes them hit a bad dink. I think it works well against uh, – heavy counters, especially like someone that's going to go out there and put like a really heavy counter on the ball. Um, I feel like you can get them off balance a little bit with, with the pump fake. Uh, but yeah, just, just mixing it up a little bit. So I'm not doing the same thing every time. Yeah. Yeah. It does work against heavy counters. Um, because I, it works against me usually. <laughs> so yeah. Um, all right. So thank you for coming on. I've got no more questions for you. If you have any questions for me, this would be your time. If not, thank you for coming on. Okay. Thanks for having me on the James Ignatowicz show.
Thank you. And hopefully you and Anna bring me on to the 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 third or whatever your the drop. Yeah, the yeah. Drop. We've we we we've got a long list of people that that are wanting to come on the show. So we'll we'll add you to the wait list. Okay. Okay. I'll get on. Registration fee. I'll pay it. No reimbursement necessary. Thank you. All right. All right. See ya. Bye.